one proud granddaddy sitting back there on the back row, and Blake Neal. It's always good when family can come in for the holidays, especially when they're talented. I know she didn't get that from Blake, so I'm guessing it's from Shirley. But it is good to be with you this morning. Pastor Kenny is on the road and visiting with uh, family himself for the holidays. And so I have the honor of getting to fill in there. I hope you had a Merry Christmas. I hope you enjoyed some time with family. I hope you got to celebrate with them and remind each other of the real reason that we're celebrating this time of year. And right now, we've got a message that we're going to get into as we start to look down at the close of the year and the beginning of a new year. But also the thing everybody's talking about, it didn't even dawn on me until I heard somebody talking about it the other day, the beginning of a new decade, right? Um, but I guess that depends on how you count because you don't start counting with zero, right? You start counting with one. So is this really a new decade or is it the end of this decade? I don't know. We won't get into that. I've heard debates on both sides. But the point is, when we get around to this time of year, Often we're thinking about the way things have been, and we're doing some self-evaluating. We here at the church are doing some ministry evaluating and looking at ways we can improve this next year that went well this year, things we want to keep, things we want to do, things we want to improve on. You do that in business, you see that across the board this time of year. But we want to do that spiritually a little bit today as well as we think about where we want to go and where we want to be this time next year. And the things that we want to change, the things that we want God to work on, the ways that we want to be open to his leading and moving as he gets us ready for what's next in this next year, in this next decade, if that's what we want to call it. But as we get started with this idea of activate today, and we're going to talk about what it means to activate, I'm going to need a volunteer. And I know, I know, if you've ever been here and around when I've needed volunteers, you know you might be taking a risk, right? But I need one brave volunteer. I promise you don't have to do too much. Literally, all you have to do is stand here. Do I have a brave volunteer in the room this morning? All right, Emma, come on up here. Now, Emma, you can just stand right there and face the audience. I've got to take care of a couple of things here this morning. We've got to get you ready because, you see, I'm building a robot. But Emma doesn't look much like a robot, so we're going to make Emma look like a robot this morning, all right? Take one of these in each hand. a lot of work to build a robot. Come on, robot. Oh, goodness. She's going to have one arm that's stronger than the other. Now, no robot would be able to do anything if we didn't put in a couple of batteries, right? So, I'm just going to uh, raise, raise your arms, robot. Got to have a battery compartment here. And Well, robot, you're not much help. But wait, you're not activated yet, right?
All right, now we've got a battery compartment. Those can go in as soon as I hold on to both of them. Batteries are in place in the battery compartment this morning. Now, no good robot butler would be complete without a good squared-off robot butler mustache. And the other thing that we have to do if we've got a good robot butler is this robot butler has to be programmed. So go right into the spinal column there. All right. So robot butler is not quite ready for business yet. Batteries are in place. Programming's uploading. We have a robot butler mustache, right? She should be ready to go in and clean my office as soon as this is done. Uh, we have a little bit of everything from the holidays in there, beginning with our fall party. It's just kind of stacked around. In fact, I even got to the point where I said I was going to clean my office this year so I could put up my tree. So I brought over my tree, and I brought over all my ornaments, and I brought over the tree skirt, and the tree is still in the box. The ornaments are still in the tub, and the tree skirt is still folded in the bag. So, But it's in there, so maybe my robot can take care of that. All right, so my robot is now fully programmed, and it should be ready to go. Batteries are in place. My office still isn't clean. The robot has the giggles. <laughs> but my office still isn't clean. Why? What's the one thing that's missing in this scenario? I'll give you a hint. It's on the screen. Yeah, the power button. I mean, the batteries are there, right? And these batteries are full. I just stole them out of Peggy's office. I mean, they're, they're full, completely full. There, there's all the power that she would need to do what it is she needs to do. Uh, the program completely downloaded. It got to 100%. Why is there no power? What's missing? You're right. There was no power, but, but it's not that the power wasn't there. What's missing? Huh? I haven't turned it on. I've never pressed the button. I never activated my robot. I've never engaged it. So I'm going to let my robot off the hook. She can do the robot on down to her seat. I'll collect my robot pieces later. Thank you, robot. You see, I never activated. And if you think about what it means to activate, to activate is to put into use or practice. It's when something actually engages in the activity that it's supposed to engage in. And Paul has a lot to say about that. In fact, as he's writing his second letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, in chapter 1, we see him say this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Notice that phrase, fan into flame the gift of God. That's what we're talking about today. Putting your gift into use or into practice. And we talk about activating in this year, this decade, this lifetime. This is what we're talking about. Putting this gift that God has placed in us to use. You know, I could put all the batteries in the world in my robot. I could put all the programming that I could think of into my robot. It could be a super robot. Instead of just cleaning my office, it could translate transcripts and manuscripts for me. It could 
take dictation. It could write my sermons for me. It could come up here and deliver them in my voice. It could do anything that I wanted it to do. But if I don't activate it, it's never going to do any of those things. If I don't engage the power switch, if I don't take advantage of what's there, it's of no use to me. But understand, we're not talking about busyness. As we're talking about us activating our gift in our lives, we're not talking about busyness. I know Pastor Kenny here just recently, as he was going through his series on the shepherd, talked about the shepherd's solution for busyness because many of us in our lives were were way too busy. And here I am starting off the new year talking about being more active. But understand, I'm not talking about being busy. We're not talking about being busy at all, but we're talking about priorities, We're talking about looking at these things that are in our lives and understanding what God has placed in our life, what God desires to use in our life, and then setting our priorities so that we're about what God wants us to be about and not about everything else instead. There's a place for youth sports. There is a place for academics. There is a place for our job. There is a place for family time. There is a place for all of these things. But none of them should take the place of what it is that God wants us to do. And society doesn't get to set our priorities. God gets to set the priorities in our lives. God gets to tell us what our schedule should look like. God gets to tell us what gets the best of our time. God gets to tell us where we need to be spending less time and where we need to be spending more time. And when we follow his schedule, understand, and as Pastor Kenny showed us in his series, God isn't about us being busy and working just to work and just doing things. God wants us to rest. God designed rest into his creation. God designed and calls for rest in our lives. But if we'll follow his schedule, we'll have that right balance. It's not going to be just busyness. So let's not use the excuse of being less busy. Sometimes opportunities present themselves and there are things that God wants us to do. There are ministries that God wants us to be a part of. There are things that God wants us to start. There are things that God wants us to organize. There are things that God wants us to participate in. But our excuse is, we've just been so busy lately. We're we're just looking for a way to pull back. We're looking for a way to spend some more quality time together as a family. We're looking for, and those things are great if that's where God is leading but let's be careful not to use being less busy as an excuse to not be about the things that God has for us to do. Because whenever we get to that point that tells us our priorities are out of order and we're following a schedule, but it's not God's in our lives. And this is an area that's not easy. It's not cut and dry. I can't tell you exactly what your family schedule is supposed to look like. I can't tell you exactly how involved in ministry you are supposed to be. That's up to God and the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. But hopefully as we talk today and we look at this idea of activating, as putting into use and into practice this gift that God has given us, it'll help clear that up a little bit and set some parameters for us. So let's go back to our passage and look at this idea of stir up. It's a very interesting phrase. It's a phrase I know you're familiar with. It's, it's something you've seen happen. This, this isn't a military phrase. It isn't some type of medical phrase that's been borrowed and put into practice here. It's very literally what it is. It was that phrase for stoking a fire. You all have been there. You've seen that. As the fire burns down and it dwindles down to where it's just coals. 
not much flame going on at all. There's still plenty of heat, right? There, there's still plenty of energy there. But what does it need? It needs to be stoked up. It, it needs some air to come across those coals and some fresh fuel thrown on that fire. And then it begins again in the flame. And that's what we're talking about, stirring up. And that's the image that Paul uses here with Timothy about stirring up this gift. We, we went with the family to Tennessee before Christmas this year because we didn't want to be traveling back Christmas Day. And one of the gifts that we received while we were there, my sister-in-law and her husband decided to go down uh, in the family property, down into what they call the Gulf. And there's a creek that runs through there in a nice level spot and one big bend there in the creek. And a few years back, uh, the new brother-in-law went and built a pavilion And he's been working on it. He's added paving stones and he's added all sorts of things to this pavilion. But he made it look very rustic. He built uh, all the posts are out of trees that were on the property that he skinned and put in. And old metal that he's found around the property made the roof. So it's kind of a cool look down there. And what we didn't realize at the time was whenever uh, he proposed to my sister-in-law, the plan was to have a wedding there in the pavilion. So he made it real nice down there. He's even built a little outhouse uh, down there. And so it's right there in the bend of the creek. You can kick back, listen to the water whenever there's plenty of water running down through there. But what they gave us this year for Christmas was time together with family and memories. Because we don't get to go down there as much as we'd like. And they took the entire day, 1,800 feet of battery-powered Christmas lights, and strung a path from where you have to stop driving the four-wheeler down on the little gravel trail out to where this pavilion is and all sorts of different Christmas decorations. They had pulled a generator down around the bend so you couldn't really hear it and run cable around. And they had lights and deer and Christmas gifts and a happy holidays thing across the creek to look at and lights all around the pavilion. But they had a fire already going because... When they went down there and got it ready, they came back up to the house and we all ate dinner and opened our gifts from everyone else. And then we went down to see what they had done. And so, of course, when we get down there, the fire has burned down, right? I used to love playing with fire when I was a scout. Anybody else love, anybody else in here a firebug? And you'll admit it. Somebody else taking a picture so whenever the place catches, we know who it is, right? But one of the things that I did as soon as I got down there is I could see that it had just burned down the coals, So I threw a couple more pieces of split firewood, you know, some thin stuff on there and got down. And what do you do whenever you stoke that fire? You blow, right? Y'all know the feeling of blowing until you get dizzy and feel like you're going to pass out face first into the fire. Anybody ever got to that point? This one did not want to just kick right back up. So I'm down in there blowing and blowing. Of course, you know, you're supposed to turn your head when you breathe back in, but it takes too much time, right? So you're sucking back in all the stuff coming out of that fire pit and blowing right back up. But the fire comes back to life. And it doesn't take very long, does it? And that's what Paul is encouraging Timothy to do. This gift that God has put in you. This spirit that's in you. Let it breathe life into this fire that's there again. And this gift that God has placed there. Fan into flame this gift that's there. And we fan something into flame that that tells us something. If we can stir it up, it's already there. It's already there. If you are a child of God, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, if you've accepted his free gift of salvation, this gift is there and it's active. Those coals are glowing. 
at one point there was a flame that was alive in your life. But if you look around and you realize that flame's not there, the gift still is. The gift still is. This isn't a new anointing. This isn't something extra that comes outside of your salvation experience. The gift is there. And you know what? Some of the gift is there even before Christ. Y'all ever in chemistry class or or maybe in your kitchen at home, whether you meant to or not, you've conducted a little chemistry experiment where you've got a few things mixed together and there's no reaction, right? But it takes one more ingredient. What, What do we call that ingredient? The catalyst that gets that whole reaction going, right? When we're born, the Bible tells us that God created us when he knit us together in our mother's womb to do works for him and his kingdom already before we were ever born. And so in us, he has placed exactly what needs to be there. He's placed together all of these ingredients that he's going to use to activate this reaction in our lives. But all of those things that are there don't do us any good at all until we come to faith in Christ. And when we come to faith in Christ, that final gift, that gift of the Spirit in our lives comes in and becomes the catalyst. And suddenly, all of those things in our lives, those talents, those abilities, those interests, those passions, those desires that God has given us, they come to life. And we begin to be active for Him. We're energized for this mission, this calling that he's placed in our life. We're able to use these gifts for his glory and his honor. But see, they're there. And as believers, everything that we need to do what he's called us to do is there. It's already there. But if Paul is telling Timothy to stir it up, that means we can let it dwindle. We can let it dwindle. That flame, that passion, that desire that we had for Christ and our relationship with Him and for others seeing that in us and understanding and having a relationship with Him themselves, that flame that was there whenever we were first saved, if we don't keep that thing stoked up, if we don't keep the fuel on the fire, it begins to dwindle down. That, That passion for seeing other people get into the Word and understand what is being taught there begins to dwindle away. That that passion that we have for bringing God glory and honor with our talents and our abilities begins to dwindle away. And sometimes we find ourselves at the point where we're coming to church regularly. We're, We're attending Bible fellowships. We're attending small groups. We're singing in the choir. We're showing up to work days. We're there to hand out boxes at Christmas time. But you know what? That fire's dwindled away. We're not really using that gift that God has given us. There's no passion there. There's no fire in our life. There's no desire to be doing these things. We're just doing them because that's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're expected to do. That's what we want our kids to see us do. But it doesn't go deeper than that. And if Paul's telling Timothy to stir this thing up, this is a continual practice. What Paul is really saying is stir this thing up and keep it in full flame. Keep it in full flame. Why would you stir it up only to sit back and watch it dwindle down again? No, stir this thing up and do what it takes to maintain the fire. What's it take to maintain a fire? 
What, what are the things that a fire needs? You fire bugs. I saw you raise your hands. I know you're out there. It needs oxygen, right? It needs fuel. Those are the two biggest things. Once you've got a fire, those are the things that it needs. It needs oxygen and it needs fuel. You can't just throw a bunch of fuel in a fire and get it all right down on top of the coals, right? What happens to it? You smother it out. Why? There's no oxygen. There's no air moving down in through there. And guys, we have to have that in our lives. We need the Spirit of God moving in our lives, which means we don't need to be quenching the Spirit of God. And what does the Bible tell us about quenching the Spirit in our lives? It tells us when we are living in sin, open, unconfessed, unrepentant sin, when we're being disobedient to His leading, and we keep putting Him on the back burner, and putting Him on the back burner, and shutting Him up, and shutting Him up, and shutting Him up, suddenly that Spirit's not moving in our lives. There's no oxygen getting to that fire. And we see it begin to dwindle down. And the other things it needs is fuel. What would fuel be on the spiritual fire in our lives? It'd be a steady diet of the Word. A steady diet of being with God and communing with God and being where He is and being where He's active and working alongside Him and seeing that and seeing Him move and seeing His glory. And that feeds this fire and it feeds the desire in us to see more and more and more. And as we feed ourselves this regular diet of fuel, we keep that fire alive and burning. So my challenge to you is this this morning, whether you need to stir into flame that fire again this morning afresh, or you need to keep it burning, the process is the same. You need a steady practice of obeying the Spirit and heeding what it is that He's telling us. And consuming the word and his presence and his glory. That'll stir that flame back up and it'll keep it burning. But understand it can happen to anyone. This dwindling can happen to anyone. I mean, look at what Paul tells Timothy in verse 5. Just before he gets here in 6 and 7. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. He's saying presently, currently, this type of faith, this sincere faith dwells in you, but your fire has dwindled. See, it can happen to anyone. It can happen to any pastor. It can happen to any music leader. It can happen to any Sunday school teacher. It can happen to any deacon. It can happen to any mom. It can happen to any dad. It can happen to any student that's out there. It doesn't matter how sincere your faith is. This is not a faith problem. This is not a relationship with God problem in that you don't have one. This is not a problem that your faith just isn't big enough or strong enough or genuine enough. This is a problem of daily practice and daily devotion. Of being obedient to what God is calling you to do. Not just in the big things and not just the big moments and not just on the platform. But daily in the small mundane things. It can happen to anyone. And when we see ourselves being disobedient to the Spirit, when we see ourselves getting out of the Word, when we see ourselves getting out of prayer, when we see ourselves getting away from the ministry things that God is calling us to, where we're seeing Him work and we're seeing Him move, and we're not keeping that steady diet of oxygen and fuel on the fire, that flame begins to dwindle. And though our faith is still sincere, we're not active. 
We've not activated the power that's in us. We become much like this battery. We've got all the faith and all the head knowledge in the world. And we come and we sit in our Bible fellowship classes. We come to small groups. We come to prayer meeting. We show up to men's breakfast. We show up to ladies' Bible studies. We show up to youth group. We go to FCA. We listen to our favorite pastors' podcasts. We keep pumping more and more and more and more into this battery. But if we never push the on switch, what's it worth? What's it do? That robot never cleans your office, does he? We can't just say, well, I've got my faith. I know I'm a good Christian. I've been a believer, and I know I've been a believer since I've been six or seven years old. No. Timothy was a great believer. Timothy had a sincere faith. But let your fire dwindle, and you need to fan it into flame. Romans 12, 10, and 11, we read this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. And notice this. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. God wants us to serve him, but not just serve him. He wants us to serve him with this fervor, this zeal in our hearts. Being passionate about him, his glory, his ministry in our lives. We've got to keep that fan aflame. Jesus himself says in John 9, 4, we must work. Notice that. We, himself included, must work the works of him who sent Jesus while it's day. Because night is coming when no one See, there's a motivation. There's a reason God's calling us to activate, to stir up this flame and keep it alive. Our time is limited. Our time's short. We only have so long to do what God left us here to do. Because the night's coming when no more work is going to be done. We don't know the time that He's coming back. We don't know how many days we have on this earth. We don't know what our tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen when we walk out this door. We don't know if we even get to walk out this door today. He says, there's our motivation. Don't say, oh, well, I'll stoke the fire tomorrow night. Oh, well, I'll stoke the fire you know, this weekend. Or, oh, I know I need to do that, but first I've got to take care of these things. Then, then I'll stoke the fire. Jesus says, we've got to be about the work that he has called us to do while it's day. While it's day. So what better opportunity than today, than right now, to press that power button and activate in your life these gifts that God has placed there? What what does that look like? Well, use your gifts. Use your gifts. And we're not just talking about motivational gifts that we see in Scripture. Evangelist, teacher, encourager, servant. Yes, absolutely it includes those. But think about other gifts that you have. Think about the other things that you are passionate about, the other abilities and talents God has given you. Do you see anywhere in Scripture playing violin? No. Do you see anywhere in Scripture where he even just talks about musical ability at all as one of the motivational gifts? No. But Paul is saying, use your gifts. 
If you've got a passion for violin, use that gift for his glory. If you've got a passion for baking, use that gift for his glory. You say, how could I use baking for his glory? I really prefer pie and cheesecake to cake. I'll just throw that out there. But use that gift, right, for his kingdom. If you've got a passion for tinkering or anything with a motor, use that gift for his glory. You say, how do you use that? You be obedient to the Spirit, and you keep feeding yourself a steady diet of the Word and His presence, He's going to show you how to use that. And you know what? You don't have to come to myself or Pastor Kenny and say, you know, I really love tinkering, and I really love working on anything with the motor. I think we need to start a ministry here. So you need to find some people. No. God gave you that interest. He gave you that ability. He gave you that desire and that passion to serve him and to honor him with all of that. And you are seeing that need. Use that gift and use that ability. Now certainly if there are a bunch of other men here who share the same interest and ability and you're talking about it and you all decide that you want to get together and do this thing and launch this as something more full-blown than just you helping other people out where you can, go for it. And you know what? I bet you there's another person in that group or another person you'll be talking to who has the gift of administration and planning. And they'll be able to jump right in alongside you and put that gift and that ability to use. You think, I love crunching numbers. I'm a a bean counter, and I'm really good at it. How could God use that? Man, there's plenty of opportunity for people who have great organization skills, financial planning skills, accounting skills to be used for the kingdom. Don't sit on that gift and waste it. What about using your calling? You know, God gives us gifts because he knows what he's planned for us to do with them. And then he places a calling on our lives. You know, an ability to teach might look different for you than it does for me. You might never be on a platform, but you might very well be in front of a children's class. You might be in front of an adult fellowship. You might be in front of a good news club. You might be leading a small group Bible study in your home of your coworkers or your neighbors or the parents of your kids' best friends. But God has given you a calling to use those gifts in that framework. Use that calling. Use that calling. What about your knowledge? Your knowledge. We talked about this battery. I mean, how many of you have sat on a pew your entire life and you've been pumped so full of knowledge? You love the scripture and you dig into scripture and you know so much. And yet you've not sought an outlet for how you can pour that into somebody else's life. How you can share that with somebody else. Maybe all of that knowledge couples with one of these other abilities and talents and gifts that you have. And that's going to be the venue for you to impart that knowledge that you've been given. You say, well, I really don't know that much scripture. Do you know how God saved you and what he saved you from? That's knowledge. It needs to be shared with somebody. But you know what? Not just that kind of knowledge. Think about knowledge this way as well. You know of a situation where someone needs some help or something needs done. Use that knowledge. 
Using that knowledge isn't always picking up the phone or sending an email saying, somebody really ought to do. You're aware of it. God gave you that knowledge. You know the situation. You know the people involved. Does that mean don't enlist help? No, not at all. But it means don't pass the buck. Be a part of what God is doing there. That's why he gave you the knowledge. And in the same vein, using your feelings. Now, I'm not talking about your emotions. That's why I put feelings here in quotes. If you remember what Paul told Timothy, he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind or self-control. We're not to be led about by our emotions. We're not to react and do based on our emotions. We're not to withhold and not do based on our emotions and what we feel like. We're to do what we're supposed to do regardless of how we feel when we're talking about emotions. But what I'm talking about here, feelings, is much like what we talked about there with knowledge a minute ago. So many times I hear people say, I really feel like someone needs this. Or I really feel like someone should do this. I really feel like it would be good if somebody would call so-and-so. Do you know why you feel that way? Because the Spirit of God put that feeling there for you. Not to tell someone else that they should do it, but you. God is giving you opportunity to come alongside him and minister with him to someone. And sure, it may be something that you've never done before. And it may be something that's way outside of your comfort zone. But you know what that does when you join God there in that place that you feel like something needs to be done, but you don't think you could ever do it? But you take that step of faith and you do it anyway? God takes a huge log and throws on that fire. You're experiencing him and his glory and his majesty and you see how he worked through you and you see how he worked in that situation. And it keeps that flame fanned up, burning, hot, ready for the next one. This year, we're not talking about salvation by works. We're we're talking about working out your salvation Taking what God put in there, that catalyst that God put into you, that moment you accepted him, and letting that reaction play out and overflow on those that God puts around you. Activate. Let 2020 be the year when you're going to activate. And it's not works for salvation. Look at what James said, so that no one thinks that we're going that route and no one misunderstands. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them things needed for the body, what what good is that? And then notice what he says right here. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, we're not saying get busy so that you can be in right standing with God. We're saying get right with God and then get busy. Get right with God and use what he puts in there. 
get right with God and let that overflow into the lives of people around you. Because you can't be busy for him if he's not there to begin with. And notice, that's why I included this next passage. It says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. See, faith is more than belief. If you can sit there on that pew and say, you know what, I I believe everything you're saying. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he'll forgive me of my sins. I believe that I asked him to forgive me. But you're not moved. You're not motivated. You don't have a desire at all. There's no conviction in your life. There's no prodding to do anything. There's no prodding to share with anyone. There's no, there's no prodding to reach out and minister anywhere. Then do you have faith or belief? Because you see, true faith manifests itself in works. If it's a real living faith, there's something there to show for it. So maybe this year, instead of fanning the flame. Or maybe instead of doing all you can to keep it burning bright, maybe to start 2020, you need to come today after we close this service. And you need to say, you know what, there's no spark there, there's no coals. You could blow all you want and nothing's going to happen. You could pile all the wood on that you want and nothing's going to happen. Because that fire has never been started. I believed it. I believed it for a long time, but I've never really put my life in it. I've never really surrendered to God. I've never really given Him my life. Today, you need to do that and let Him spark in you a flame that will change not only your life, but the lives of everyone else you come in contact with. Let 2020 be the year that you push that button and activate. God help us as we leave this